You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here, as always, and I'm really excited that you're tuning into this episode. It could be life-changing if you don't already know this information, because I'm speaking with award-winning documentary film director and best-selling author, Jeffrey Smith, and he's joining me to discuss his latest film, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. Now, Jeffrey employs a Hippocratic view on food and medicine. I know you know the quote, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And in this interview, he's explaining the world-altering effects of genetic engineering, glyphosate's relationship to leaky gut, and the very real health benefits of going organic and getting your family off GMOs. I think we all know people who have gut issues, especially leaky gut, and with no idea of what's causing it, this episode is going to unveil the reason that so many people struggle with digestive health. And my hope is that it empowers you so that you know exactly what to feed your family, what to avoid, so that they grow into healthy, smart, strong adults. Um, and and you keep your health uh, at optimal levels as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please share it with a friend and please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Thank you. Well, hello, Jeffrey. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you, Liz. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm going to start us off with a bigger question, but I think it's important to kind of dive right in and it's a great way to get the conversation going. Why are GMOs so dangerous? Well, I did a movie where I looked at people who switched onto organic food and kids who were on the spectrum were no longer on the spectrum. People who were infertile, couples who were infertile, got children. People who had digestive problems, brain fog, allergies, et cetera, et cetera, we were able to reverse those conditions. Now, it may seem like a hocus pocus, but the doctors say that they're seeing the exact same effects in their practices every day, and the scientists explain exactly why. The combination of the genetically engineered crops and the Roundup herbicide that is sprayed on most GMOs attacks and dismantles or damages the fundamental foundations of our health. And we can talk about that from the microbiome to the hormones to the neurotransmitters to the mitochondria to the leaky gut, all of those things. So it actually is an amazing revelation that when people realize they can simply step out of it by eating organic and their life changes, it's shocking. So in the film Secret Ingredients, we have doctors who say, Many of their patients switched to organic and their autoimmune disease symptoms went away and their brain fog disappeared. And then they cheat on their diet and it all comes back. And then they realize how important it is to avoid GMOs and the Roundup sprayed on them. God, I mean, with this evidence out there, with people with all of these stories where they're able to get pregnant and you know their kids are, are getting off of the spectrum, which is insane just as that. Why isn't the government doing more to protect us? Who's really behind, or I should say the U.S. government? Why isn't the U.S. government banning GMOs? Well, the U.S. government has been marching lockstep with the biotech industry since actually the Reagan era. Um, Under the first Bush administration, they told the FDA, for example, to come up with a way to get GMOs out there quickly to promote them. And so the FDA dutifully created a new position for a person that would oversee the policy on GMOs, created that position for Monsanto's outside attorney. Monsanto's the biggest GMO company. So when he was in 
the position in charge, the policy came out that he had essentially written, saying we're not aware of any significant difference between GMOs and non-GMOs, no testing needed, no labeling needed. You don't even have to tell the government if you want to put a GMO in the food supply. So years later, when we looked at documents from the FDA made public from a lawsuit, we realized the whole thing was a fraud. The overwhelming consensus among the scientists working at the agency was exactly the opposite. The GMOs were different and dangerous and needed to be tested before they were released into the food supply. The overwhelming evidence since then has supported the FDA scientists' concerns, but the FDA still remains basically mandated to promote GMOs. It's one of their explicit instructions, and one of the FDA uh, commissioner, deputy commissioners actually did a PowerPoint saying, here's the two goals of the FDA, to secure safe food and drugs and to promote biotechnology. So we can't rely on the government to protect us, so we have to make decisions every day. But once you've made the transition, once you realize which foods work for you, then the heavy stuff, the hard stuff is over, and then you get to enjoy the ride. Wow, that's incredible. How, how insidious are GMOs in our food supply? Like you said, I mean, it's everywhere. You don't even have to label it. You know, to the mom going to the store, buying food for her family, how does she know what to buy if nothing's labeled? Well, I keep saying organic, and I say it for two reasons. One, organic is not allowed to use GMOs. Sometimes okay. there's some contamination, but not, usually not very much. But you see, GMOs are not the only problem that I've been studying for 25 years. Most GMOs were produced by Monsanto because Monsanto sold Roundup. And so they created Roundup-ready soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa to be sprayed with Roundup in the field and not die. Normally, Roundup will kill all of the plants. But it doesn't kill the genetically engineered plants, but the Roundup gets absorbed into those plants, into the food product, and we eat it. So we have the GMOs on one side and the Roundup on the other. Now, Roundup is also sprayed on non-GMOs just before harvest to dry them down Mm -hmm. and to kill them and to force fast ripening. The grains, oatmeal, wheat, the beans, the lentils, the mung beans. It's also sprayed on citrus orchards. It's sprayed in vineyards to keep the rows clean. So it's in wine. It's in orange juice. Now, I I will be happy to explain to you and your listeners why avoiding it is pretty critical. It's amazing how much damage Roundup can do. Many people are aware of the Roundup trials that are taking place where it was determined by the jury to be contributing to the plaintiff's cancer. The the WHO declared it was a probable human carcinogen, but that's only one of many things. When you look at the For example, the epidemiological charts, looking at autism or diabetes or heart disease or IBD or all sorts of cancers, more than 30 diseases that people are very commonly aware of, deaths from hypertension, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, overweight, etc. You can look at a slope that becomes familiar because they all appear to be very, very similar and they move on the same slope as the introduction or the increased use of GMOs and Roundup in the US food supply. Now I have to say, if all we had were those charts, it's not very strong, it's correlational, it doesn't prove causation. But in 150 lectures, I've asked audiences, including about two dozen medical medical conferences, 
What did you notice or your patients notice when you switched to non-GMO or in some cases organic and the hands start going up? And I say, okay, how many people notice digestive disorders? So many hands went up. How about brain fog? How about this? And it was very, very clear that it was a similar footprint in all of these. So we surveyed 3,256 people and they reported getting better from the same 28 conditions in the same relative order with digestion wow. at the top with 85% all the way down to Parkinson's at the bottom. Now, if you look at the animal feeding studies where they force feed GMOs or Roundup to these animals, then they suffer from these or these diseases or precursors. When you look at the cattle and the pigs and the dogs and cats that are switched to organic, they get better from these or similar conditions. In fact, these or similar conditions rose dramatically in the experience of not only pet owners and farmers, but the pediatricians. Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine, Michelle Perro, who said, who wrote the book, What's Making Our Children Sick? She learned about GMOs from me and that was the, the alarm bell that went off because she said, oh my goodness, I've been seeing so many complicated new cases that we've never seen before and she'd been a pediatrician for long before GMOs were introduced. So she took the kids off of the GMOs in the Roundup, put them on organic, they got better, and the whole family started getting better from other conditions. So there's a lot of evidence now, especially now that we understand the actual modes of action and how one mode of action of Roundup can lead to sleep disorders or anxiety or depression. We can follow it through what it does to the gut bacteria, right up to the serotonin and the melatonin, and see how that functions. We can see how irritable bowel and other digestive disorders can be created from the GMOs or the Roundup. And so now we are equipped, so that we're convincing tens of thousands of physicians to, to prescribe organic diets, and now they're telling us, it's amazing. Wow. Wow. And I feel like more and more people are are kind of coming around to this just because you see like the success of the gluten-free diet market. Like you go to the grocery store and everything's gluten-free. Is that related to the stuff that's being sprayed with glyphosate? You know, I was the first person, I think, to suggest that it was. I gave a press conference on gluten with Mary's Nutcrackers and Mark Hyman and others. And I, I called up a gluten guru, uh, my friend, who's now my friend. Tom O'Brien. I said, Tom, I'm told you're the best guy in, in, in gluten to talk to. Here's my theory. GMOs can cause leaky gut, activate the immune system, damage the, the mitochondria, damage the microbiome. And these things, I believe, can preload the system to react to gluten. He says, you're absolutely right. And then we learn more. It can help block the digestive enzymes so that the proteins become less broken down. All of these things. So I put out a white paper with his support and also uh, Dr. Stephanie Seneff from MIT. She then published an article with her colleague linking glyphosate, which is the chief poison in Roundup, directly to not only gluten sensitivity, but to celiac. So I interviewed her and I said, was there any, any symptom of gluten disorder or celiac that could not be explained by glyphosate? She says, no, it was amazing. Yeah. It's hand in glove. And one of the 28 conditions that people report getting better from when they switch to organic is gluten sensitivity, as right. well as other allergies. In fact, more than 50% reported reducing their allergies and food sensitivities in our survey. That's incredible. That's incredible. Like, why isn't this front page news? Well, I think we all know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But it's just so frustrating to me because it's like, it is the role of the government to protect its citizens, to keep us healthy so that this country can continue and be strong on the world stage. Is it just down to a money issue? Is it just down to, you know, the people in Monsanto having control at the FDA and, you know, other other corporations too, other pharmaceuticals? Is that is that what's holding our health back and why you see so many young people overweight and struggling with their health? Money is a key point. There's a there is a game of corporate control and captured regulatory agencies that Monsanto and others play very well. When Monsanto was looking to approve its genetically engineered bovine growth hormone, which is injected into cows to increase milk supply, the person who was in charge of policy was Michael Taylor, Monsanto's former attorney, who later became Monsanto's vice president, who later became the U.S. food czar under in the FDA, went back and forth between Monsanto and the FDA. The person who was in charge of the FDA approval process, Susan Setchin, used to work for Monsanto as a contractor on bovine growth hormone. Margaret Miller worked for Monsanto doing the research on bovine growth hormone that said it was safe and then took a position in charge of a department at the FDA that evaluated her own research. But a former Monsanto scientist told me that three of his colleagues in the company reviewed the milk from cows treated with their genetically engineered bovine growth hormone and found so much cancer-promoting cancer hormone, IGF-1, in the milk that the three Monsanto scientists refused to drink milk after that unless it was organic. One bought his own cow. So wow. if you look at the actual people doing the research in real life, in real time, real research, they won't touch it. If you look at what's published on Monsanto's behalf, it's rigged research where they say, oh, pasteurization kills the bovine growth hormone. They had to, they had to pasteurize it 120 times long, longer than normal. That didn't do, didn't do it. So they added powdered hormone to the milk, 47 times the amount of existing uh, hormone, then pasteurized it 120 times longer and said, oh, 90% is, is destroyed during pasteurization. And the FDA just parroted that. Wow. We understand how Monsanto rigs its research and I think the best example came recently. It was one of the few things I was not aware of that came out from the trial. It turns out that in order to get Roundup approved, they have to prove it doesn't get absorbed into the skin at sufficient amounts. And so they take human cadaver skin, dead bodies, take the skin and put the Roundup on it, and then they test it. And about 10% got into the skin, which is more than three times the allowable limit. So they violated the law and did not tell the EPA. But they did the Monsanto study. What they did is they took the human skin, new human skin, and they put it in an oven and baked it. You know what happens when you cook meat. It gets really tough and whatnot. Then that wasn't good enough. Then they froze that leather-like human skin. And then they put the Roundup on and said, oh, hardly any absorption. And that's the numbers that they gave to the EPA to get Roundup approved. Oh, my God. <laughs> and now we know. Yes, exactly. And a former scientist, I mean, no, a scientist told me that he was spraying. Um, well, it's a, it's a little elaborate. He was spraying Roundup. It got into his body just by spraying it, and he was able to test it and to verify it. And when he stopped spraying it, it was no longer in his body. So, oh, wow. so we know we want to avoid spraying Roundup. And most people don't, especially now that you hear it, people won't. But it's really important to avoid eating foods that are contain that contain Roundup or its active ingredient, glyphosate. So 
On our site at responsibletechnology.org, we have the names of the 12 GMO crops. We have a report listing all of the foods that have been tested with glyphosate residues. You can sort, you can put it in order. You can see you don't want to feed your kids oatmeal unless it's organic. You don't want to serve them bread unless it's organic. Forget hummus unless it's organic. Because the, I know, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I know the reaction. I can feel the reaction of the audience. You know, like, oh, my God. What am I going to eat? <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, people sometimes say, well, I can't afford organic. I've interviewed so many people who switched to organic and their their medical bills dropped greater right. than their extra um, expenditures. But I say not only add your medical budget into your food budget, but add your philanthropy budget because mm -hmm. you don't want the farm workers out there to be spraying right. Roundup. You want a healthy ecosystem. And if we have any chance to talk about what's happening to the environment from GMOs, it's worse than what's happening to human bodies. Well, I, I would love to transition to that because I think one of the biggest arguments from the administration, from you know GMO supporters, is that you know, we need GMOs so that they're hardy and that we can feed the planet is what they right. say. So how would you address that? Well, first of all, GMOs don't increase average yield. There was a side-by-side -side study in Rodale Institute with soy and corn and GMO soy and corn. And the yield was the same except in times of drought and the organic did better. So it was mm -hmm. able to survive. But the organic had less inputs, no, none of the synthetic, synthetic chemicals, less need for water. In addition, GMOs increase the use of chemicals. They increase the reliance of farmers on the major seed suppliers and the chemical producers. So it works for the industry, but not for farmers. It, there was the biggest study in the world on how to feed the world, sponsored by the UN and the World Trade Organization and then many, many others, signed by 59 countries. It's called the ISTAD report, 2,500 pages, over 400 scientists. And they dismissed GMOs as irrelevant. They say they had nothing to do, and I interviewed the co-chairman of this paper. It has nothing to do with creating sustainable agriculture, feeding the world, or eliminating poverty, which were their goals, nothing. They dismissed it completely. This episode is also brought to you by Lugs. Lugs is a brand you probably remember. It started back in the 90s, but they've never wavered from having their pulse on what is stylish and also realistically priced. I wore the boots today on my trip to Costco because why else do you leave the house? And it was so cute. It totally uplifted my entire outfit. I felt like I was kind of on a runway in a lot of ways because it was just so chic and so cute with what I was wearing. And I was actually wearing leggings with it. So it's surprising that I felt so, I don't know, so chic, but that's kind of the beauty of the brand. And if you use my code unstressed, that will save you 30% off at lugs.com. That's L-U-G-Z.com. And just something that I want you to remember about the brand. It's a great brand, not just for you, but for the entire family. So they're stylish, realistically priced, and great for everyday wear. And one another thing that I think is really important is that they're really comfortable. So not only are you going to feel cute when you go out to the grocery store or wherever you're going, but you're also going to feel comfortable and chic at the same time. So be sure to head on over to lugs.com and use my code unstressed to save. They dismissed it completely. But it's part of the PR strategy to say it'll feed the world. They say it's overregulated and it's a facade, 
we just went through why FDA said, we're not going to pay any attention. You can put it on the market without any even telling the FDA. They're going to tell you that it reduces agricultural chemicals, it increases agricultural chemicals. They're going to tell you that it's safe, and of course, it's not. There is, however, a new, a new villain uh, on the block. Um, gene editing is a form of genetic engineering. It creates GMOs. And the biotech industry is giving the same mythological talking points about gene editing that they gave 25 years ago to GMOs saying it is safe, it is predictable, it is precise, and it's just like breeding and it's natural. It just speeds up what would happen naturally. Well, there are many ways that gene editing creates problems. In fact, one writer reviewing some of the things from a human embryo called it chromosomal mayhem. Such dramatic changes in the DNA, which could be a disaster. Now, gene editing is cheap. It's easy. You can buy a gene editing kit, do it yourself from Amazon, for under $200. Wow. For over $1,000, you can build your own lab. And every day, you can, for the price of dinner, make a new genetically engineered microbe that has never existed before on the planet. And you can release it. Now, we didn't need a pandemic to know that microbes can mutate, travel, and wreak havoc. The microbiome is critical for life. People know now that the gut bacteria and other microbes living inside us are intricately and intimately related to our health. In fact, they have co-evolved with us in a way that is mind-boggling. In the second trimester, bacteria go into the birth canal that digest milk. Why? Because it, it inoculates the baby in the birth canal so that they can digest milk. A big portion of mother's milk is undigestible by the baby, by design. It doesn't get broken down in the stomach. It doesn't get broken down in the small intestines. It's food for the microbiome. If the baby needs something because of the particular condition, it'll change the microbiome on the saliva, which will communicate to the mother while they're breastfeeding. So there is this incredible micro-Jedi army working on our behalf and if the, if the microbiome is set well in infancy, it can help set a better health for the rest of that child's life and even future generations. So it is important. Now, one of the things that microbes do, which we may not realize, is they have swap meets. They take genes and they share them with others, not just of the same type of bacteria, but many, many different types of microbes. So now, you put in a gene that does something because you think in this environment it'll be healthy. And now it goes to all the ecosystems, including the human gut microbiome. And it starts swapping that gene with other microbes. What's going to happen? And there's no recall, there's no tracking. The microbiome is essential for the health of humans, but also for the environment. The soil microbiome is even more complex. In our film, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle, it's my fifth film, but it's also my shortest. It's just 16 minutes. It's available free online at protectnaturenow.com. We show that a nearly released GMO bacterium in the early 90s could theoretically have ended terrestrial plant life on the planet. Another one could theoretically have altered weather patterns. And these were well-meaning releases. 
The first one was to just basically convert farmer stubble and crop residue to alcohol. But it turns out when they, they were going to spread the residue of this onto fields as fertilizer, when a graduate student happened to study that, he found that the fields, or in this case, the, the blocks of plants that he was growing, turned to slime because wow. the bacteria was still active, destroying the root system. And this was two weeks before they were going to release this bacterium in the environment to see how far it spread. Well, I interview in the film, Dr. Elaine Ingham, who was the graduate student's advisor at, at Oregon State University. And she said she was approached by members of the EPA who were whistleblowers who said, we can tell you how far genetically modified bacteria would travel because we did a secret study with the EPA that has never been published. And we released bacteria in a farm in Louisiana and but within a few years, it was all over the planet. Wow. And so I asked Elaine, what would be the, the logical result of releasing bacteria that turns roots into alcohol? And she pointed out that that same natural bacteria that doesn't have that capacity is found in every root system on the planet. If that were to be replaced by the alcohol producing variety, it could basically render all terrestrial plant life dead. Now, that's a cataclysm that you kind of stop and say, whoa. But when you realize that the microbiome has a trillion different types, and we've only characterized a small handful, and the microbiome is so intelligent, it can make us want to eat a cupcake. If it does something that it likes, it'll, it'll inaugurate signals in the reward center in our brain because it trains us. Right. Fecal transplants, where you take the microbiome of one person and put it in another, they can cure disease, but they can also turn a person who's thin into a person who's overweight because there's a programming. We yeah. offload, we, we delegate 90% of our daily functions to the microbiome, and we are in awe of its majesty and miraculous nature. And yet, if we don't stop it, there may be millions of genetically engineered microbes released on this planet in the next generation, destroying the nature of nature in a way that can't be reversed. So after 25 years of speaking about GMOs and Roundup and the dangers in 45 countries and testifying and introducing it to the medical world and basically helping inaugurate a whole movement that's been successful because 51% of Americans now understand that GMOs are not safe for health, we're actually pivoting and focusing on educating basically humanity and the decision makers that we need to create laws immediately to prevent the release of GMO microbes before they wreak havoc. And so our Protect Nature Now campaign at protectnaturenow.com has the film. It has a advocacy platform where you enter your contact information and all of a sudden all your elected officials show up and it's mm -hmm. a pre-populated pre email message. You can customize it or send it as is in a single click. You can tweet them in a single click. Then all of a sudden, five of your local or regional uh, media show up, and in a single click, they get a press release. And so we're reaching out to thousands and thousands of, of elected officials and media around the world. I'll be going to Washington because we actually have now interest among Congress people. So if people would like to participate they can go to Protect Nature now, watch the film. Don't worry, we're going we're gonna to take care of this. <laughs> the advocacy platform. And if you can, before you leave, 
please make a donation, if possible, a recurring donation, because this is urgent and we are a nonprofit and we want to open up offices all over the world. We have over 60 organizations now as allies, but we need a lot more resources because we need to lock it down right away. Yeah. And honestly, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the show to expand that message even further to get more mothers especially involved because without, without the planet, our children have no future. I mean, obviously. Um, but you've been working in this field for over 20 years. You know, I'm sure you've come up against a lot of opposition, you know, from a lot of powerful people. What keeps you going? You know, who inspires you when you just kind of want to throw it away or you might even be afraid for your livelihood or your life? You know, there's a number of things. First of all, I've had people come up to me, and it's hard for me to say this without feeling it over and over again. You know, they break down and say, you saved my family. Um, and some people have, like, been to my lectures or read my books or seen one of my films and become activists. And now they're reaching out to mothers. And, you know, I, I remember going to Taiwan where my book was Seeds of Deception was a national bestseller, and I ended up having two women parliamentarians hold a, a hearing with me. And afterwards they said, based on what you've told us, we don't have the laws to protect our citizens. And soon after they banned GMO foods and school meals. So having had a footprint that I can look at and say, this is working. I mean, when I started out 25 years ago, I didn't know what a GMO was, no one did. And now 51% of Americans and 48% of the world's population believe that GMO foods are not safe. So I've seen success. Now, the other thing is that I've learned, my, one of my slogans is think huge, thinking big is so last century. <laughs> we have huge problems and we need huge solutions. So I did not mind taking on a responsibility saying, I and others, but I will take responsibility for this issue. And others, of course, it's not me alone, but it's taking the responsibility. So when I saw gene editing being deregulated around the world so anyone can do it and release anything without any government oversight whatsoever, and that's the case in Australia and Argentina and Brazil and almost completely like that in the United States, and they want to get Canada, the EU, and the UK in the same way. And there's a big, fiercely pitched battle right now by the biotech industry giving false information. I realized no one had stepped up to protect nature because it was being replaced. Because with gene editing, you could target anything with DNA. And once you release it, you've corrupted the gene pool for as long as that species exists. And then I realized the microbes are the most dangerous. Right. If you change that, you change the hosts that they live in, you change the soil that they, that they breed health in. So I decided I'm an optimist, very strong optimist, and I also don't have any fear if I'm operating at this level. It's absolutely fearless because I feel like there's a part of me that's here to do this. And if I'm like hanging out low and looking at it and there's a ceiling, there may be fear to get through that ceiling. But if I occupy that place in me, it's like, no problem, I got this. In fact, I, I encourage activists and others to get through their glass ceiling and, and occupy that place where they feel like this is their mission, and then they have access. It's like that's where they vibrate with source. That's where right. they have the whispers from nature. That's where they have the, the beyond personal power because that's really where they're connected. 
and have the greatest power. So it's available. And right now with the way that earth is, it's now demanding for us not to put off those little whispers anymore. Not to say, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Or, you know, I think I can do bigger, but I got to be distracted. Right. It's like it's like the bell's ringing now. And so um, I'm very optimistic for the whole world. And I'm seeing people step up. And I'm seeing people take back their power from the schools, from the governments, from big business, from the media, which we've been trained to give away. Right. And what's happening that you can't read in the media because it's not being reported in the mainstream media is an empowerment that's enormous. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And I'm just, uh, I just love what you do. And I, I feel that that heavy weight too, of, of what we're all up against. And it, it really just makes me angry, but that I think is a source of, of power and, and movement. So absolutely. Yeah. To wrap us all up today. Um, what do you want the woman listening to this to remember from this talk? Actually, there's two things, because one is for oneself and, and the family, and one is for the world. When I say eat organic, I mean urgently. They, in, they injected some Roundup or probably glyphosate in a pregnant mouse, and the kids were okay, the grandkids suffered, the great-grandchildren suffered the worst. 90% of them had serious problems. They had death during um, birth. Uh, they had prostate problems and tumors and kidney problems. It's epigenetically transferred. So not to look back, never think, oh, my God, what have I done? That's like wasted thinking. We didn't know. We made the decisions based on what we know. We're still making mistakes because we don't know everything, but we take the information that we have and we make choices. My experience influencing large numbers in terms of their dietary choices, I know that if people hear this and get inspired, it is critical to make a decision right now, not to put it off till tomorrow or next week or when you have a discussion with friends, but to make a commitment now, to start it now, because the inspiration drops dramatically, and we forget that. We think that we're going to be this inspired tomorrow. But whatever it is, it's if it's going to, to the store now and buying organic, some people may have the money they can get rid of stuff off the shelves and replace them. Whatever it is, switching to organic now should be an urgent thing. And when you do, take notes, write down how what percentage of organic you had each day on a spreadsheet, write down your energy level, write down every symptom that you have, one to 10, and then for your family. Because you don't know what's going to be affected. Is it going to be the eczema? Is it going to be the, the fatigue the, at the end of the day? Is it going to be you know, irritability? You don't know, and you will forget unless you see it. Yeah. So energy level and mood, because it affects mood and behavior. That's one thing for oneself and one's family. Please just try it. And if you don't feel you have the ability to say, this is my new life, do it as an experiment. Take a few weeks, ideally, and do it. And it may be that it's one of the most important experiments of your life. The second thing is, and this is about what we talked about, stepping up and taking responsibility. I have seen around the world the epidemic that has allowed GMOs to proliferate and the lies to proliferate. 
is the thought that it's someone else's responsibility and I'm sure they'll take care of it. I've interviewed so many members of governments around the world and very often they'll say, oh, we don't have to review GMOs because your FDA approved them. And then I point out that the FDA doesn't approve GMOs. And I explain the policy that they let companies like Monsanto to determine if their foods are safe. And then I describe the Monsanto research that we've talked about. And then they realize they made a terrible mistake assuming that someone else was taking responsibility. And we can all say, oh, yeah, those governments should take responsibility, but I want to turn it right into us. Right now, we have a responsibility to do something for our planet. I'm going to offer one avenue. Go to Protect Nature now, watch the 16-minute movie, and reach out to your members of Congress and your elected officials. If you can support us, please do. See how it feels stepping up to take responsibility for protecting all living beings and all future generations, because that's what's at stake. See how that feels, because there's something that happens. It's more than just a momentary rush. It is an empowerment. It's a shift in one's viewpoint. And mothers understand the energy that pours into their family. And here's a way just to get a taste of protecting the world with energy that's already been cultivated. Huge power in mothers. So mothers can save the world. And so I'm giving one invitation, one way to help make that happen. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. All of the books and the film and obviously Protect Nature will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Liz. Safe eating. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast.